0: Tonight's scripture is taken from the book of Acts, chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Acts 6, 1 through 4. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of spirit, and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to, to this duty. But we will de- devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. I'd like to thank Taylor for reading our, our scripture this evening. It's always a great feeling to see someone who you have taught, who you have worked with, to get up and do a, a fine job as they, they lead the congregation. There's nothing greater than God's Word. There's nothing greater than hearing God's Word proclaimed. Tonight we will be looking at Acts chapter 6. It has been a great opportunity, a great privilege to be a part of a congregation such as this. It is a great blessing to to look around and to see the number of faces in the audience. It's a great privilege to be a part of a growing congregation. One year ago today, I'm not for sure how many people we had here on Sunday morning or how many people, people we had here on Sunday night, but I would just about guarantee you that one year ago today there, is not as, there was not as many people here tonight or on that night or on that morning as there was today. Being a part of this congregation has been a great uplift because it's a growing congregation. What does that, what does that require? What what makes a congregation a growing growing group? What makes it a, a church that is growing? Well, it comes back to the members. It comes back to those that make it up. Today, however, as we look at Acts chapter 6, verse 1, we're gonna notice some issues that come with growth. We're gonna look at some growing pains. A few weeks back as I was speaking with Brother D. O. White in the hall, we were, we were talking about the growing pains that we have, the things that, that are happening in this congregation as we look around and um, new faces are coming to services, new people come. And Brother White said to me, he said, those aren't problems. He said, those are opportunities. There's nothing, nothing greater than seeing new people, than understanding that more people are hearing the gospel, more people are doing what is right and more people are putting our savior first but along with change, along with growth, just like a a child as you grow it hurts as you grow there's pain that comes along with it I remember as a young boy once upon a time I woke up in the middle of the night and my legs hurt and there was no reason for it but I found out the next day mom and dad said that just means you're growing I was so excited I thought I'd be six foot. Well, you see, that didn't happen. (laughs) But it hurts to grow. The spiritual body, the church that we are in today, it still hurts when we grow. As I've talked to some members, we've, we've noted that when you come now, if you want to get the back pew, you're going to have to show up early. It's not always going to be there. There are pains that come along with growth. Some of those pains would be a crowded parking lot, maybe not a place, to, a place to park your vehicle. There's a crowded auditorium. People have to point out where to go when they come into the congregation. You might lose your, lose your seat. That, that seat that you've sat in for the last 20 years might not be there anymore. There are things that hurt, there are changes that take place in a growing congregation. Now, as I spoke last time, back in December, on the 25th, I spoke about unity. And one thing we have that that is a great advantage to us in the South, but might also be a disadvantage, is the smorgasbord of congregations. There's a, a wide variety. There's many places that we can go. There's many people that meet in the Lord's name, and you don't have to drive that far. In Iowa, where I lived, the closest congregation that was doing what God said was probably about 45 minutes away. However, as we gain more members and we have more opinions, as we have more people to to please but yet still be in agreement with God's word, as there's more different perceptions, different enjoyments, different things we like, this smorgasbord of congregations doesn't give us a reason to leave. We should still be united on the group here. We should still be united as members of the body. As we put God first, there would be no no need for us to leave anything short of something being different than God's word. If if we are to move and go somewhere else, it's understood that we'll be going to a different congregation. But as a member here, I want to serve the church here. I want to do all I can to make this church grow. Now let's look at Acts chapter 6. In Acts chapter 6 verse 1, we're going to notice exactly what we talk, are talking about. Acts chapter 6, verse 1, it says, And in those days were the number of disciples multiplied. There's a big change. They didn't say that they added one or two. They didn't say, well, we got three new members last year. It says they multiplied. It means they were growing by leaps and bounds. They were, they were having new, new members all of the time. There is growth that is taking place. So what is it that caused this growth here in Acts chapter 6, verse 1? Well, think back to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it's a common verse. It says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, and in breaking the bread, and in fellowship, and in prayers. Notice that one word, steadfastly. Steadfastly. These people were making it a part of their life. This, This doctrine that the apostles were preaching, they were looking at it, they were studying it, they were following it. This breaking of bread, they came together when, when the church came together to break bread, they were involved with it. It said in fellowship, the church was together. The church was growing because they were active. Active members create an active congregation, and that's exactly what we have here. Now, as we notice, the increase came about because the disciples were working. Next, we'll also notice that the, ca- the increase came about due to the miracles. Notice that we're just looking back in in Acts. In Acts chapter 2 we pointed out that they were steadfast. Now in Acts chapter 3 we'll see that there were miracles that were taking place. If you go back you can read the miracles in Acts chapter 3 verse 1 through 8 Here's some of the miracles that took place. Now that is a little bit different than us today. However, they had miracles to show who they were. They had miracles to prove that they were from God. that, that, That what they were teaching was the truth John chapter 20 verse 30 and 31 it says and tr- many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples that were not written in this book and then it goes on to say at the end but these were written that ye might believe and, that, and believing that you might have life in his name not everything that took place was written not everything that took place that, that Christ did not every miracle is written in this book But the point of the miracles was so we would know he was the Messiah. He was the Christ. He was the one that was prophesied of. He is the one through which our sins can be washed away. Also in Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 and 8, Jesus sent out his apostles. And he said, and as ye go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then he goes on and he tells them what to do. He says, heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely ye have received, freely give. The apostles were able to perform miracles for the purpose of proving that they were sent by God. For the purpose of showing that what they had in mind, the reason that they were doing what they did, the reason they performed these actions was because they were teaching Christ. The purpose was to preach the kingdom to preach that of the church, the way that one might be saved. Now, in this time, there were certain tests that could be accompanied with it because many people claimed prophecies. Many people claimed this this inspired ability, this miraculous power. Mark 16, verse 18, it says, They shall take up serpents, they shall drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them, and they shall lay hands on the sick and heal them. Those people that, that claim to perform miracles today, well, they should still be able to do this exact thing. They should still be able to drink any poison and never be touched. They should be able to heal those that are sick. Now, notice the sickness was something they could see. Often, oftentimes, people, people claim that they're able to heal when they, they say that they've, they've done, done, done away with the cancer. Well, we don't see it, and then the people never get checked. It, it brings a, an instant smile to their face, a, a happy thought, because they think, oh, that sounds great. However, as they pass, maybe soon, maybe maybe by some matter of nature, the, the cancer really did leave. But the miraculous power has passed as we look at 1 Corinthians 13, verse 10. It says uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 10, we notice that it says, but when that which is perfect is come, speaking of speaking of the scriptures, it says, when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part shall be done away. If you go back through verses 8 and verse 9, you'll see the miracles that are listed, the miracles that, that are spoken of, and it says, for they shall prophesy in part, right before that in verse 9 in 1 Corinthians 13. It says, for they shall prophesy in part, but that's going to cease. And then it goes on to say, for the... When that which is perfect is come, that which is in part shall be done away. The miracles are gone. There's no need for them anymore because we have something better. The Bible that I hold in my hand is better because you can look at this for yourself. You can dive into the Word. You can study it every day and you will realize what is the truth. You don't have to follow what someone said. Because we're not supposed to. Acts 17, verse 11, we see that, with, that they were checking out the scriptures. They were getting in, into the scriptures and studying for themselves to see whether it was so. The miracles at this time were to show that these people were from Christ, that what they were teaching was true. It was God's desire. Now that we have the scriptures, we have a much better way to teach than they did. We have a better way in that we have that which is perfect. We have all of God's will, so now man can decipher for themselves. Man can look into the scriptures and understanding that Christ was the Messiah, they can see the guidelines that he set. They can see the area in which Christ said, this is what you must do. He, they can see what is the narrow and straight path. Now we'll also notice that increase came about due to the message being preached. There was a message that was preached at this time. And let's let's notice Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Everybody remembers the the sermon there. (coughs) As Peter preaches unto them, it says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized. That's the the message. (coughs) Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And he said, And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He commands them to change. If you go back further previous to this, you'll see, that, you'll see that these people had just been taught by Peter that what they had done when they crucified Christ was wrong. That killing the Christ, however, did prove the miracle. It did show that he was the one that was prophesied of. You can also go, out, go down to Acts chapter 3, verse 19, and here again, they're preaching the same message. It says, Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. And then skip on down one more time in Acts chapter four verse 12, it says, "Neither is there salvation in any Neither is there salvation in any other. There's not salvation in any other because there's one. Notice it says, "For there is none other name under heaven by which man might be saved. None other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There's only one way to be saved. There's only one way to attain salvation, and that's what they were teaching. They were going out and spreading the gospel, the gospel message of Christ, of the salvation that is in Christ, the, the forgiveness of sins, the remission of sins that came about by following Christ. We'll also notice that the increase came about due to the necessity understood by the apostles. They understood the necessity of going out and teaching. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 4, verse 16. Acts chapter 4 verse 16 should just be previous a page or two. Here it says saying, what shall we do to these men for that indeed is a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem and we cannot deny it. But that it spread no further among the people let us straitly threaten them and that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. They're they're saying let's stop. Let's stop what they're saying. Let's stop these apostles from going out and teaching. Now we'll notice now we'll notice the necessity understood by the apostles. It says and they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. Then they go on in verse 20 it says for we cannot speak the things which we have seen and heard. They understood the necessity of the gospel they said you tell me no but God tells me go they said there's something more important than your word there's something more important than your message that's what God told me to do to him he's the one we want to be found right in the sight of he's the one to who we will grant our obedience there was a necessity that was understood by the gospel under their their knowledge within this with what they understood through that came the increase because they were doing God's will notice next there's increase in each one's responsibilities Acts chapter 6 starting at the the middle of verse 1 or we'll start over in verse 1 verse 1 and 2 it says and in those days was the number of disciples greatly multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called a multitude of disciples unto them and said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. There was an increase in responsibilities. These, these Grecians or Hellenists in some, some translation speaks of those that were a half-breed. They weren't the Jew of Jews, but yet they were, they were those that were Jews, but they didn't live in Palestine. They didn't live in, in that country, but yet they were still serving God. They were called half-breeds at this time. Now here it says that they were being neglected. They weren't noticed. They were being overlooked. This neglect came about because what was going on there was so much stuff taking place there was a great number of people there was a work that had to be done and they got overlooked we can understand that the apostles must have been very very busy people as they went out and they, they strove to teach as they were told to do as they were commanded to do The neglect of the widows came about due to the amount of work that took place due to the amount of workers that were needed the work is present always. We can always look around and find something to do. If people are willing to work there is something that you can do. As people if we, if we can't find something to do I trust if you ask, ask one of the elders or, or Mike or, or me or anyone, anyone that is active in the congregation if you'll just act, ask or look around there's jobs that must take place. This, this past week, we just had a, had a teacher's meeting. We've had the, the same teachers that have taught here for the last three years are probably still filling the same seats. We need more people that are willing to work. That's the same problem that's going on in Acts chapter 6. So much work fell on the apostles that stuff got overlooked. As Christians, as part of a growing church, we need more people that want to work. We need more people... That are willing to put themselves on the line, put themselves at the cutting block, so to speak. We need people that are willing to step up. In John chapter four verse 35 it says, "Say not ye, there are yet four months and then cometh the harvest because Jesus looks around and he says, "Look now He said, "The fields are wide unto harvest. this is a different harvest." than that which we know of as the, the time of year when we harvest grain. This is, this is a harvest that lasts all year long. The world that we go out into, it's a field that is wide under har- harvest. It's ready to be harvested. Jesus here is talking about the harvest of souls, the harvest of spreading salvation. There's never a lack of work. There's never a lack of people to teach. And within each congregation, no matter where you go, there is never a lack of work to be done within a congregation. An eldership is in place to watch out for the souls of the congregation. They've got much work to do. We see the apostles, they had a lot of work to do. An eldership is in place to watch out for the souls. They're called shepherds, bishops, pastors, elders. All these, these designations point to the people that watch for us. They care for us. They look out for us. But what do we need? We need more people that are willing to step up. We need people that are willing to help them. They can't do it all. George, Brother George Jacobs often, often talks about three years ago, during the tornado, he said that 70 people... Met outside under, under a, the overhang. As you go back three years and you look at the, the attendance this morning at 235, that's a multiplied, a multiplied number. Growth has been, been great. There's been a great, great amount of growth. But yet if you look back three years ago, we had three elders and three deacons. Something's got to change because they're overworked. We need more people to be willing to step up. Today we have three elders and two deacons. We need people that are willing to serve. There are conflicts within people. There are personality traits wherein we don't want to listen to what someone else has to say. We don't want to put up with what, what other people think. But as people, we need to be able to step up. We need to be able to help the elders. We need to be willing, if called upon, to step up and help for instance right now we have we have a building project that's taking place a work such as this is meaningless it it means means very little as far as as far as the souls of the congregation we need people that are willing to step up and to help with projects such as this there are things that take place in the church that are are meaningless tasks they're not as important as the work of souls the shepherds have the the responsibility to take over the the flock to watch out for our souls we as people must be willing to help in acts chapter 20 verse 28 through 30 it says take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the holy ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of god which he has purchased with his own blood for i know this that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you not sparing the flock Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. See here that they're busy caring for us. The elders are busy because they have to watch for false teaching. They have to watch for the things that happen in our lives. There are times where we are tempted. There are times where we have struggles. The elders watch out for us so that they can can help us in our time of need. Notice also in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2, speaking about the elders, it says, feed the flock of God, over which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy, filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. That's what they do for us. As people, we need more people to step up. They're the office of deacon. There are people that, that need to step up. Back in the Greek, the translation of this word before it was, was called deacon literally means that we are to be servants, speaking of helpers, ones that aid in the work, people that are willing to step up. The elders, the elders need those willing workers. We see that the shepherds care for the flock. They care for the congregation. The elders, within the idea of shepherd, or pastor. Within this this meaning of the word it carries along the meaning of a ruler, a guide, a protector, and a companion. They care for us. As members though, we're to be there for them. We're to be the ones that help them. There are a lot of tasks that take place that none of us know about. There, there are tasks that that the elders do that I don't even know. However, as Christians, as, as fellow helpers, we need to be willing To aid in any way we can. The elders one day will give an account for us. They will give an account as to our souls. That implies that they have a great care for us. That implies that they they want nothing more than any of us to go to heaven. That's their desire. They desire that we go to heaven. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17 says, Obey them that have the rule over you. That's what we're to do. Obey them that have the rule over you, submit yourselves for the watch for your souls, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. We as people need to look up to them. There are decisions that they make that I promise you, some people won't like. You can look back at the beginning, I mentioned that there's going to be different personalities. The elders care for the flock as a whole. With each person here, with 235 people here this morning, there is 235 different personalities. There's 235 different people to attend to. As people, we can't get upset when they make a decision we don't like, as long as it's within the guidelines of the scriptures. As long as we as people are willing to follow, we've got to understand that we must do that because... They're watching out for our souls. On the final day, they give an account for for the choices that they made, for the decisions that they made, and we must follow them. We see that there's an increase in the amount of work. You see there in Acts chapter 6 that these people were overlooked, and they say, well, we need more workers. That's what we'll notice next, the increase in workers. Acts chapter 6, notice verse 3. It says, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Now notice what the apostles had to do. They had to spread the work to someone else. Now why is that? It's because they were busy. There were things that had to take place. They had to go out and be spreading the good news. They had to spread the gospel message. Notice also verses 5 and 6, and it says, "...and the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man of full, fa- full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them." They chose people to take over the job. This task of feeding the widows was important. It was a task that had to be done. But yet the apostles had something more important on their plate. The apostles had something more important in their life because they could pass this work on. They passed this work on to someone else because their aim, their goal was souls. They were looking for those that wanted to obey the gospel. They wanted to find people that wanted Christ in their life, that wanted salvations. Notice there, the work had to be passed on to another individual. It had to be passed on, given to someone else. In the New Testament, there were qualifications given for those who would be in this lead role of elder, of deacon. You can look at that in 1 Timothy chapter 3. We're actually studying that in the boys' class upstairs right now. We spoke about deacons. It physically means a servant. As Christians, if called upon to do such, that's what we need to do. We need to be willing to step up if we have the proper qualifications. We need to be willing to serve in any way that we can if we are so qualified or called upon to do it. If one is not qualified for one of these however, one of these positions, that in no way limits our responsibility to work. There's so much work that, that could take place. I know even, even in just what what I'm involved with as I'm involved with the youth group and and other activities there are things that everyone could do. There's different times as we have get-togethers or devotionals any member of the congregation could be involved with this. We meet at, we meet at people's houses oftentimes and we have a devotional and we'll have snacks. Just because a person doesn't have children in the youth group doesn't mean you can't can't be involved in this activity. It doesn't mean that you can't can't open your home. It doesn't mean that you couldn't serve maybe some food or 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 a snack in a time as that. The work is open to all. There's classes that we spoke about that, that have to take place. There are classes that go on from Sunday to Sunday, Wednesday and Wednesday throughout the throughout the times when we meet there are classes that take place. We need people that are willing to step up. If you think you would like a break and you don't want to do it, well realize that the person that's teaching there right now probably probably would like a break as well. If we had more people that would step up everyone could have a break. As Christians we need to be willing workers. If one is not qualified for those positions we said that the responsibility still remains, the responsibility of working. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58 says, But be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for that ye you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. They're abounding in the work of the Lord. There's work to do, I assure you. There is, there is much to do. There's a song we sing, there's much to do. There's work on every hand. If we're willing to do the work, there are things that can be done. The growth of the congregation doesn't depend on the elders, it doesn't depend on the deacons, it doesn't depend on the preachers, the ministers, it doesn't depend on the teachers or any other single individual in this congregation. It doesn't depend on any one of us, but rather it depends on us as a whole. The shepherds leading the flock and we as the sheep, as the flock being servants. Growth requires everybody. Obviously, we understand that as the growth has been been taking place. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 and 16, we see the, the gospel call. It says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Oftentimes, people have remarked that, Go ye, make that go me. That command, that that statement that is made there is required upon all of us. All of us have different, different actions that we can perform as far as helping the church. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you'll notice that the body is many members, but we as the members make up the body. Well, here in... This verse, we'll notice that go ye, Mark 16, verse 15. That go ye, it means everyone. No one's freed from this. There's someone that you know that I don't know. And there's a way that you can reach them that I'll never be able to because there's a personal contact. There's a person that I know that you don't know, and that responsibility still lies on me also because I've got to encourage them. I have to encourage them to do what's right also. We must be spreading the gospel. There in verse 16 it said, He that, is belie- that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That, that go- is what our goal should be. That goal should be set in stone in our minds, something that's an ever reminder where we're putting God first and showing others how they might be saved. Finally, the last point, there's an increase in the work accomplished. We noticed first that there was an increase in the number of disciples, number of Christians, those that were following God. We noticed there was an increase in the in the work that had to take place. The third one we noticed that there was an increase in workers. And finally, the increase in the work accomplished. That means more souls. As we continue to grow, it takes more workers. But in order to continue to grow, we're going to all have to be binding together. We're going to have to be united together in this work. And then we'll notice the increase in the work accomplished. Chapter 6, verse 4. Notice it says, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. This is the work they were doing. The work that was important to them was teaching. The work that was important was going out and giving the ministry to the world. The ministry of the word spreading the gospel. Also notice in verse 7. It says, And the word of God increased, and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and great company of the priests were obedient in the faith. If we're to keep growing as a congregation it's going to require that we have more workers. Within within every business that you look in the world today, in order for a business to grow, you have to have more workers. Otherwise, you hit a plateau. Don't let us hit a plateau because of the spiritual or because of the growing pains that we endure. Don't let us top off at 235 because there's pains that come along with growing. But rather, let us be the ones that are outworking. The apostles did not have time to take away from teaching the gospel. They didn't have time to stop doing what was the most important thing. But rather, the apostles chose the appropriate people to manage the task. There were tasks that had to be, had to be done, and they chose those people to manage a task so that they could continue to, to devote themselves to the most important thing in the world, souls. The most important thing that day has not changed from today. If there's one goal in this world, it needs to be to save ourselves. But right along with saving ourselves, we should want to save others as well. The command was to go out and to teach, to help others so that they can be a part of this growing congregation. If they they aren't a part of this congregation, let them be a part of the church that Christ established worldwide. Whatever the case, our goal is the growth of the kingdom, the growth of the people, the number of souls that will be in heaven one day at the last. When that trump shall sound, I want to be found faithful on that day, and I want to know that I helped as many as I could get to heaven with me. The apostles chose the appropriate people to manage the task. Notice it says, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. That was their decision. They made a conscious decision that that's what they would devote their lives to. And then you see back in verse 7, after they had made that decision, it says, and they continued to multiply. They continued to grow by leaps and bounds. Verse 7 says, and the word of God increased and the number of disciples multiplied. As Christians, let us endure the growing pains. Let us realize that the pain, the problems that come along with growth, they're opportunities. It's an opportunity to do even better. As we continue throughout this year, let us always be striving to push someone else we talked about this morning provoking let's provoke someone else to do what is right as christians we want the word of god to increase we want the number of saints to multiply it all comes down to us each person individually needs to devote themselves to being a worker jared rhodes needs to devote himself to being a better worker and the result will be more souls saved in the end the question is today are we teaching that message that they taught? That that message they taught in Acts chapter 2 verse 38 are we teaching that message that they taught in Acts chapter 4 verse 12 Acts chapter 3 verse 19, Acts chapter 8 the list goes on in Luke chapter 24 verse 46 and 47 it says that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name beginning at Jerusalem that's the goal the goal is we go out and we teach the world there are some here this morning this morning there are some people here tonight that that are not Christians that have not have not made that decision to become a Christian if you haven't made that decision it's time I beg with you and I encourage you do just that make that decision to become a member of the body of Christ We're we're told in Romans chapter 10 verse 17 that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It all goes back to this book. If we could just just understand that this book is the guide in our life and rather than just saying it's the guide in our life, making it the guide in our life, we'll understand there needs to be a change. Those that haven't been baptized will realize that we need to do what he says. That faith that comes by hearing hopefully that's, that's enough to make us want to do what's right. That faith that comes by hearing, that's that, that belief talked about in Mark chapter 16, verse 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. If we do believe, well, the, the question is, are we willing to repent? That repentance requires a change of mind, a change of heart, and a change of action. They changed the way they lived in order to live for him. Acts chapter 2, verse 38 says, Repent. And be baptized, every one of you. In, Ma- in Matthew chapter 10, verse 32, they're told to confess. If we're willing to confess Christ as our Savior, follow Him, make Him our life, the goal, the supreme thought and mind. We'll be on that straight and narrow path. And then be baptized. Added to the body. Added to the body of Christ. When we come up out of the water, we're a new person. It says that have your sins washed away. If we want to have our sins washed away, the time is now. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, as we read up earlier, it said, Neither is there salvation in any other. There's no other way to attain salvation. Without Christ, it's not possible. If one has sinned, if they're to that age where where they're accountable unto God, it says, There's no salvation outside of Christ. Neither is there salvation in any other. And then it goes on to say at the end, therefore there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. If you want to be saved, it requires you to do what the book says. It requires that you do what Jesus told us to do. If, if you would like to be baptized for the remission of your sins, we encourage you come now as we stand and sing the song of invitation.